Worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. What is worship? Can you define it? Well, let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me, and Happy New Year. And this year, what I've decided to do is cover some really basic questions that actually have very interesting answers. But before we get into today's topic, which is what is worship, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free PDF. It's called 25 Chart Topping Arrangement Tricks That Work. So if you are a worship leader and you have a worship team that you're practicing with, and you have a song that needs another gear, it needs something else that it doesn't have, This PDF gives you 25 great ideas for ways to keep people's attention throughout a song. You get the trick, you get a couple of sentences about why that trick works, and then you get a song from the radio that exemplifies the trick so that you can hear what it sounds like. Again, to get it for free, just go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, with that, let's get to our topic for today. What is worship? So I have been leading worship for over 15 years, And I've run into this a couple times, and you probably have too, where you might be leading from guitar and, you know, after you're done with worship time and you're playing gently in the background, someone comes up, maybe the pastor, maybe somebody else, and says, wasn't that great? But I want you all to remember that worship is more than a song. And everybody nods their head. And I always think, okay, should I be offended? No, I shouldn't, but it still feels weird. That statement, worship is more than a song, has always irked me just a little bit because it felt like a very unintentional insult, right? I think to myself, well, well, why, what, what, what am I doing here? If worship is more than a song, what, what is my job and why do I keep getting asked to come back and do this, right? So there must be something about corporate singing, right? Because it's in the Bible, so... What's going on there? I've just found the definition to be a little bit squirrely. So when you go online and you type in, what is worship? I just grabbed some of the first ones I found, and here's what I found. Worship is when we give our deepest affections and highest praise to something. Worship is a valuing or treasuring of God above all things. Or how about this one? Worship is the response of the whole being, heart, soul, mind, and strength to beholding God's glory. Lastly, we'll use Merriam-Webster's definition. To honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. With respect, I think all of these definitions miss the point. Let me defend myself. I don't have any personal vendetta against any of these people or their definitions. I have a vendetta against the English language. The English language has over 171,000 words in it. It's a massive language, and it's an amalgamation of other languages it borrows from Greek and Latin and all sorts of stuff. As a result, it's really good for making new words and making new thoughts. And so if you have something that you want to say, you know, a philosopher is trying to put a point on something and say exactly what he means to say, he can do that with the English language. It's very good at that. But the downfall of that is that when you are trying to describe something like worship, I think these definitions get a little bit highfalutin. They get a little bit too bloated, too unwieldy to be useful. So to get a better understanding of worship, it's helpful to go back to the Hebrew language. And here's why. 
Modern English, like I said, has 171,000 words plus. Biblical Hebrew, 7,000 words. A massive difference. But those words are packed with meaning. Hebrew is a heart language. It's very meaty, and, and those words carry a lot of meaning because they have to. They don't have 171,000 words. Well, when you look up the word worship in Hebrew, the two words that most often get translated for worship in English are the Hebrew word shaka and sagid. Shaka means to bow. It can mean to humble, to depress, to sink, but it all gives you the same idea to bow. Sagid is similar. Sagid means to fall down. What a wonderful picture of what worship is. And it's very easy to understand because to some extent it bypasses your brain and hits you straight in the heart, right? When you talk about treasuring something or giving reverence or honor or glory or majesty, okay, you can easily get stuck in your brain. But when you say to bow, the only way to really understand bowing is to do it is to take the action and find out how that feels. So if you can while you're listening or later on in the day, take some time and bow and notice what happens. You're going to feel pressure on your knees and on your forehead. You'll feel the coolness of the earth as you're down lower. You'll notice the blood pressure as your head sinks below your heart. You'll feel vulnerable because now you're at foot level and you don't have a way to protect yourself. Doesn't that describe what worship is, but in a very visceral and physical and easy to understand way. That's the beautiful thing about the word bow as opposed to the more verbose ways of understanding it. Well, let's look at the first time that the word shaka is used in scripture. I'm in Genesis 18. Now the Lord appeared to him, we're talking about Abraham, near the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, there were three men standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. That is the first time we see the word shaka, to bow, used in scripture, which is also translated worship later on. And it's the perfect picture of what it means to worship. In that moment, he was as vulnerable as you could ever be in front of somebody because he had no way to defend himself. And he literally had his head below his heart, which I think is cool. What are some takeaways for us today when we think about worship? The first thing is that worship is not more than a song. You've probably heard that terminology before. Oh, worship, you know, oh, the music was great, but we need to remember that worship is more than a song. Well, I'm here to tell you that worship is not a song. Worship is not a musical term. It just means to bow. Here's the second takeaway. I believe that our English definitions for worship let us down compared to the Hebrew definition for worship, which simply means to bow. English definitions get stuck in the brain, and they kind of just live there. And English definitions for worship help us think about it, but they don't help us embody it in the way that Hebrew does. Finally, and this is just a fun extra, for you who are worship leaders, you should know that the word worship leader does not appear in scripture. Choir director does, but not worship leader. We made that up, and that's okay. But if you use the biblical definition of worship, what you're saying, if you're saying you're a worship leader, is this. 
I want to be the first to bow. And that is a beautiful thought. Hey, I hope that episode helps you. And I hope that you take some time to bow and feel in your whole body, not just in your brain, what worship is really like. All right, make sure to go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks to download my free PDF. And until next week, God bless and goodbye.